You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN proud to bring you the region's best coverage of the local teams you care about, including live UND hockey, football, and volleyball this month, plus new episodes of Day by Day on Tuesdays and North Dakota Hockey Central on Fridays. It's all on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast, taping this on a Monday, November the 4th. November, Bill, flipping the calendar. Feels like November out there, by the way. Little little wintry mix going on. I know. I was going to actually do something really good uh, as from a health perspective, I was going to actually walk to my meeting, uh, which was cross campus. And mm. then uh, North Dakota happened. Like I walked out the door. <laughs> And it was snowing uh, a lot. And uh, it, it was not snowing a lot when I got into my uh, office this morning. And so uh, I went in. Uh, and now it's not, actually. But uh, during that little window in which I had to walk, it was, uh, it was coming down, Alex. Hmm. So, yes, it is November. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question. Oh, it's uh, the switch to this time of year brings, you know, a lot of different things. As you said, winter weather, of course, that we're used to up north. Uh, time change as well. You had daylight savings time this weekend. Did you remember to turn the clocks back? Were you ready for that on Sunday morning to get that extra hour of sleep? We were all in. Um, yeah, I, for whatever reason, that did not sneak up on us this year. Mm. Uh, not quite sure why we do it. I, I haven't really figured that out. Why do we do it? So it's a Ben Franklin thing. I mean, this was an idea back in the 18th century as a way to lengthen the day for farmers and you wouldn't have to use your candles. You know, you could, that was the whole idea. It was an energy saving thing. Realistically, obviously, if you just sort of change then your day as the light gets smaller, it, it wouldn't really matter. You could just wake up earlier and, or stay up late, whatever, stay up later, work later instead of like working past five o'clock. But I think... That was the whole idea of it years and years ago. And, you know, certainly the harvesting piece I get. But if if one of the pieces of the puzzle was pre-electricity, we might want to rethink this a little bit, no? Yeah. Is it better to have the light probably at the end of the day? Maybe things get drier uh, at some level as opposed to having it first thing in the morning? Is that is that is that something as well? I mean, that's that's part of it. But the thing is, like, it it doesn't really matter. Like, the Earth doesn't care what time it is. So it's, it's it, you know, if it's 6 o'clock and it's getting dark or it's 5 o'clock and it's getting dark, you know, you, you, I think it's almost like as humans, we're trying to adjust our schedule to sort of make things seem normal to us. That like, oh, okay, it's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, so it should be light out versus seven o'clock or versus nine o'clock or whatever. But it's, are we just better off just letting it be and just adjusting? I don't know. The great ones adjust, Bill. We say that all the time. The great ones do adjust. Arizona, Indiana don't have to adjust. They don't. And California pushing to not do it either. That was the big news this morning. Like, is California the next state to say no to daylight savings time? So I don't know. We'll see. I, it's, I tell you what, it's not fun. It's not fun when you've got small children. No. They don't adjust. Yeah, you've got to slide back, right? That, that, yeah. that 60 minutes. Yep. Chaves has never figured it out. So just so <laughs> you know, I mean, I think you just have the kids grow up and then eventually it probably affects you as an older person versus the kids that are less than five. <laughs> I love it. Oh, if anybody has any good suggestions on how to deal with the... Uh, 
the time change when you've got children who are young, uh, please send me a line. Drop drop something below the line here on the uh, on the tweet. That would be fantastic. So uh, from from that, let's maybe talk about sports. I suppose yes. obviously a real a great week for North Dakota athletics. Uh, instead of nine home events, it was kind of a mix of home and away. Some teams were off this week. Most most of the, our teams were out and about, uh, finishing up their regular season. That's going to become a theme now as we transition into championship season. And there were some some great moments this past week, Bill. And I think we probably should start probably with cross country. I mean that was a team that was playing in a championship in Fargo. Some of the track championships going on, or this could be track. Some of the cross-country championships going on, and both the men and women put up a really good showing, both finishing fourth, four athletes making all-conference. Uh, a really good day for the men and the women this weekend in Fargo. Yeah, no question. I, I was able to text with uh, uh, Christine uh, on Saturday night, and I, and I think where she was really excited and happy about, you, you always want your team to peak at that particular performance. And I think you probably could say that was probably um, what that team's apex could be. And they, they ran well. And you're right with uh, Madison and Hannah and Erica uh, getting all conference honors on the ladies' side and Luke on the men's side. That was, uh, that was fun. And uh, Kyle Doporowski, who oversees track and field and cross country, was down at the meet. And he said that Erica had to, uh, how should I say, sprint for uh, 14th place and and that obviously happens right and and so you know you know where you are at that point especially if you can kind of count ahead of you right and you know the top 14 are going to be all conference yeah that was a great uh a great finish for her erica eads by the way is an 800 runner like she was an all-conference middle distance kid on the track team in recent seasons getting the job done in the cross country region arena as well. And that's, you know, the top 14 thing and top seven make first team all conference. If, if you're not aware out there, then the next seven make second team. And so she had to chase down an NDSU runner and got the job done by seven tenths. And this is in a six K. I mean, they've been <laughs> running for a long time. So seven tenths in a cross country sprint like that is nothing. So Props to her. Again, Madison Overby, as you said, got sixth place. Hannah Oscarson got seventh. Both of them make first team all-conference. And then, yeah, Luke Labatt on the men's side, picking up that 14th spot, that last all-conference spot uh, as the men take fourth as well. Cross-country, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It is a grueling sport. It takes great physical attributes, of course, but great mental acuity to be good at this. Really great to see both the men and the women do do as well as they did in a year where they had some injuries. They had a new coach figuring things out. Uh, really good stuff from them. And now they'll move on to the Midwest Regional coming up in a couple of weeks down in Oklahoma with their chance to move on to the Nationals. Certainly exciting when you can be all conference. So uh, so kudos to those two teams. And uh, that kind of kicked things off a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, Saturday was a was a busy day with lots of different things going on. Um, hockey, of course, with the Hockey Hall of Fame game going on later that night. A great event and another big win for UND, a 3-1 victory over Michigan Tech. So much fun with the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game. And we had to take it on the road last year to Vegas. Fun to bring it back home uh, this, this past weekend and just enjoy what was a really fun, entertaining, tight hockey game from start to finish. Yeah, no doubt. So my second one that I've been a part of, and I really did like the differential. I like us taking it on the road for uh, a destination game, if you will. I think that is great. But I do like the way um, Jody's crew and our crew uh, work together to really kind of recognize uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame over the course of the evening. And I thought it was just, uh, um, you know, kudos to that group uh, for for doing that. And uh, yeah, it was a good game. I mean, you know, Michigan Tech, uh, got on the board first in the 
the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen in my life where there wasn't a whistle for the first five plus minutes, right? Yeah. Free flowing hockey out there. Oh, that was weird. I, I mean, it just was odd. I, I you must have been, I, you know, in calling it, it must have been really, really strange. It was different. I mean, typically we always work in, you know, we have a couple of pre set elements, you know, keys to the game and maybe a conversation about serious history. There are all these things in our production meeting that we lay out like, all right, first whistle, we'll do this. Second whistle, we'll do this. That'll probably get us to about the under 15 media timeout. And they just, there wasn't a whistle until Michigan Tech scored. And it, you know, those things happen and it was fun. It's fun when you get that back and forth, free flowing, no whistles that it was enjoyable. It was just so funny that we didn't have a chance to sort of check off the usual boxes in the broadcast until after, you know, six minutes had passed and it was already one nothing. But yeah, great. Um, You know, good resiliency by UND. It was a very similar game to the previous Friday against Bemidji State where the opposition scored first and then UND had to fight their way back. Obviously, we, we left it a little bit late against the Beavers on that Friday night, but got the job done in overtime. This time it was a first period goal in response that UND picked up and then kind of a stalemate for the next 40 minutes or so uh, until Jordan Kawaguchi again came through with the goods in the third period. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess we're showing some resiliency and some depth as well. Uh, obviously, two of our top four defensemen uh, not in the lineup, so gives others an opportunity to play, and, and they've stepped up nicely. So that, that bodes well. Obviously, it's a, it's a physical sport, and you're not going to be with uh, – I, I would say your top lines and top D all the time. And so, uh, so it was good to see some of our guys uh, really get out there and, and have a, have a good night. Josh Rieger stepped in and I thought played very well. So uh, gave us a chance and uh, that depth I think will serve as well as, uh, as the year goes on. Yes. And they will need that depth when conference play begins this weekend, Miami coming to town to open up NCHC play. And we, we talked to the guys afterwards. We talked to Jordan Kawaguchi and Matt Kirsted, who both scored uh, in, in the, the win on Saturday night. And they both said, this is the time of year that we always look forward to. And I think everybody does when you kind of get the familiar teams that you're used to playing and the games that really matter and as you fight for positioning and fight for a Penrose Cup. They've certainly been looking forward to the start of NCHC play. And that the non-conference doesn't matter because it does. It, and, and, and all these games are incredibly important in your quest to make the national tournament. But when you've got, you know, it's different when you turn the page to NCHC. And, and that's what the Red Hawks will bring to the table coming up this weekend. Looking forward to that, get, getting that process started here coming up on Friday night. Yeah, should be should be good. I, I, I guess the NCHC helped me. Uh, I think got off uh, Western Michigan was at CC uh, this past weekend. I think kicked things off for us. And so uh, yeah, we've got our first two first two games of the year here at the Ralph. And so uh, it's exciting for sure. And uh, we know what we're in for. I mean, every every game is a battle. Don't question. It feels like the first one almost to three wins, right? It's, it seems like it has that feel to it every single week. So yeah, so it'd be interesting. Uh, I'll stay I'll stay here on Friday and uh, and, and, and watch uh, the hockey game, and then I'm going to board a flight first thing in the morning on uh, Saturday and get over to uh, Ogden for the football game on Saturday. Yeah, that is a big one on Saturday, and that's a busy weekend for you. A lot of big games going on. Great that you can get a chance to check, check out hockey on Friday. And then that Weber State game, 3 o'clock on Saturday, North Dakota playing the number 3 team in the country following a big bye week for this this group to get healthy and get ready to go. Uh, UND enters this contest with their playoff hopes very much intact, five and three on the season. 
Uh, Weber State, by the way, coming off a 36 to 17 win at Sacramento State. So two top 10 teams going at it. And Weber looked really good in that game. So they're coming in, uh, you know, obviously coming off a couple of big wins in a row against ranked teams. They'll be looking to cement their spot as one of the top teams in the country. North Dakota looking for another statement win off the heels of a victory over then number nine, Montana State, just last week. Couldn't ask for anything more. Great opportunity again for Bubba Schweigert and the guys coming off the bye this weekend. Yeah, Coach Hill's done a, a tremendous job at Weber State, and uh, they they really, over the last three years or so, have really elevated themselves to to the top of the heap uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they've done a really nice job, and you're right, on Saturday night, went to Sacramento State and, and, and got that one done, knocked their quarterback out uh, that night. So Kevin yeah. Thompson uh, didn't finish the game. I don't know what the status of, uh, of, of his uh, situation is. Is, but he did not finish the game and uh, they took care of business. So, uh, you know, the, if, uh, if I recall correctly, last year uh, we were in Vegas when uh, Weber came to the Alaris Center. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, it, you know, I think we had our chances last year. It's just uh, we know we're going to be in for, uh, uh, you know, a, a difficult one for 60 minutes. But, you know, I like our chances to go in and, uh, and, and battle battle Weber, see what transpires, and uh, let's play the rest of these uh, final three games and uh, see what see what happens. Last year's game against Weber State that you alluded to, a 35-30 win for the Wildcats. And that, as you said, a tight game throughout. We had the football late with the chance to drive down and maybe pull something out. That Wildcat defense is very good. They were good last year. They have been good over the course of this run where they've they've been co at least co-Big Sky champs each of the last two years. Uh, number one in the conference in both scoring defense and points allowed. Number two in the nation in turnover margin. They're a plus 14 in takeaways this year. So UND is going to have to play clean. They, offensively, they can't give the ball over and uh, give a Weber State team that runs the ball well. Again, it's kind of like a the, the, the old UND where they're going to run the football, they're going to stop the run and play great defense. Now UND is going to try and do those things, of course, but also have more of an up-tempo attack offensively as well. But yeah, 3 o'clock, great matchup. Catch it on Pluto TV. Great opportunity. And if UND wins this and takes care of business the rest of the way, now, maybe, I mean, you never know how things shake out. You'd be looking I mean, I lock for the playoffs, and maybe if some other teams lose, you could maybe even be looking at a seed potentially in the playoffs. That's not completely out of the question if you run the table, but a lot of, a lot of things to happen, of course. Um, but another win against a top five team, eh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice for the resume. Yeah, well, no doubt about it. And, and like I said, I, you know, again, if you were to say, uh, you know, going into uh, on the road against a, a top five team in the country, obviously it's a tall order. Even if, you know, things didn't go our way, I still think things are still out there for us to, to potentially, uh, you know, uh, potentially get a, a bid if we found a way to uh, win out from uh, from here on out and and finish seven and four but that's not certainly in the mindset this week the mindset is to go to Ogden and uh, go play a great 60 minutes and see what happens yeah that is the hope yeah coming up again three o'clock Saturday in Utah number three Weber State number 24 number 23 depending on what poll you look at North Dakota should be a fun one down in the mountains North Dakota football trying to make the postseason North Dakota soccer in the postseason. How about that? Chris Logan's crew, we talked last week on the pod about how, hey, a point against North Dakota State would be huge if they could get a win. They'd be a lock for the Summit League tournament. If they get a point, they'd have a great chance. Even if they didn't, they could still work their way in if they got a little bit of help. They ended up losing one nothing in Fargo on Thursday night, but 
because South Dakota drew with Oral Roberts on Thursday, and then North Dakota turned around and lost to the top seed Denver 1-0 on Sunday. That equation, it was enough for North Dakota to get in with 12 points, a point ahead of some of the other teams that were chasing them. They ended up tied with Oral Roberts in terms of points, but because ORU won the head-to-head, North Dakota finds themselves as the four seed in the Summit League tournament coming up on Thursday in Brookings. First time ever that UND, obviously first, it's only been two years, but they just missed out last year. Now they're in to the Summit League tournament in the top four. Great job by the ladies to get the job done. Yeah, good description, Alex, for sure. That's exactly what transpired. I I was hesitant, you know, in my congratulatory tweet to, to uh, you know, indicate it's kind of like we're waiting for someone else to win. Well, of course we were because that the, the regular season hadn't ended yet. It's just our regular season. We were ahead of everybody else because we had played our eight matches already. So there's an odd number of teams. So it had to go one more day. And so I kind of felt like, you know, we earned this berth. And I, I wanted to make sure that, that it, do, it didn't seem as if someone did something uh, for us, if you will, even though it, we needed scenarios to occur. I thought this team, uh, you know, winning four four games in conference was the third most. And so even though we'll get the fourth seed, um, you know, that's still, uh, you know, we did a nice job in that regard. So anyways, all that to be said uh, gives us an opportunity to go play Denver again. And uh, I think we talked about this uh, on one of the, uh, you know, last couple pods when Denver came in and kind of took care of business after we opened it up after they scored their second goal. And uh, it was tight there for about 40 minutes. And then they they broke through. And I think uh, Coach Logan sort of, uh, you know, decided to to see if we couldn't uh, potentially score and get a result or in some way, shape or form. And and that kind of left us uh, vulnerable in some areas. And, and Denver's a very, very good team. Heck, they beat Texas the this year yeah yeah they beat texas yeah you know say that out loud <laughs> i mean yeah, there's be- a little bit of disparity between i guess financial input between let's call it the university of texas at austin <sighs> and the university of denver so so that's Perhaps- that's that's the level yeah, perhaps just a, just a titch. Yeah, uh, Denver has been the Summit League Tournament champions. Uh, they were the reigning champs, of course, from last year. Uh, they have been regular season champs in the past. They're a very good program, and you alluded to their win against North Dakota. Uh, back on October the 24th, it was a 7 nothing win in Grand Forks, but I, we talked about that. Again, game just got out of hand a little bit. Th- that's how soccer goes sometimes. You make choices, and that's I wouldn't read too much into that. When these two teams played last year, it was one nothing. And there's a very, very similar teams, both for UND and for Denver. Uh, you can imagine North Dakota will try and contain a very potent pioneer attack. And this is what you play for. You get one game, and then if you win that game, you get one more game. And if you win that, you're in the NCAA College Cup. Anything can happen in over the course of 90 minutes. And it's going to be a neutral field. I'm sure the weather, it's a 3 o'clock game. I'm sure the weather is not going to be good. It never is down there in Brookings for this particular tournament. So I, I've been a part of some of those in the past. And it's always just, it's at Fishback Soccer Park is on the far south side of town. There's really no protection. The wind is going to be howling. All these things, I think, work in North Dakota's favor. That it will take away some of the offensive ability that Denver possesses if they're not going to be able to, you know, play some of the the pretty football that they want to. It's going to be maybe kind of an ugly grinded out type of a game and when maybe perhaps you aren't quite as talented maybe as the opposition. Not saying that UND doesn't deserve to be there, not saying they didn't have a chance, but this kind of levels the playing field just a touch and I think it give UND a great chance to perhaps get the job done. Yeah, and not to overstate it, but but you, you, with all of that and you find a way to maybe put one in the back of the net first. 
now all of a sudden things kind of change a little bit and mm-hmm. you know you never just never know so i know our I, I was really happy for our program happy for coach logan and you know there's no substitute than getting into the tournament and getting that experience and that feel especially given how many uh how many players we got coming back next year yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if they win, by the way, on Thursday, they would play in the title game against the winner of STSU Oral Roberts Saturday. So that's what's going on this Thursday. Again, three o'clock, North Dakota taking on Denver in the Summit League Soccer Tournament. Volleyball, by the way, they're still pushing on towards the tail end of their regular season. Got a big road win against Western Illinois this past week, a five-setter that the teams just alternated taking these long games off each other. 15-12 in the fifth ended up being the difference in this one. Big win for Jeremiah Tiffin. Obviously, they couldn't quite consolidate it with another win against a very good Purdue-Fort Wayne team on the road as well. But just to get the split and earn a crucial third Summit League win, now they're very much again in position to make top six, assuming they can take care of business down the stretch. Again, Western was one of the teams they were fighting with for one of those final spots. Big win for them to earn the season sweep over the Leathernecks. Yeah, no doubt. It, you know, that was the one we had to have on the road. It, it, like we've said this, I think last week as well, it, the, the standings have kind of separated, right? And so there's kind of an yeah. upper half and a lower half. And so we've got to try to figure out how to be one of those top six teams and uh, beating, uh, you know, Western Illinois on uh, last week was huge. Uh, Fort Wayne's sitting in third place. So they're kind of in that upper half bracket, but yeah, we're, we're four and in five set matches this year. And so there's a level of resiliency on on this team that uh, that I think when they get to the fifth fifth game they feel feel good. I mean, I, and and that there, there's something to be said for that. So, so this week is huge. We've got the home match on Sunday against South Dakota State before uh, having to go to Denver on Friday, which obviously will be very difficult. Uh, they you know they're they're one of the upper half type teams, and uh, as we've talked about Denver in the past, as far as how how good that program's been from a volleyball standpoint, come back on Sunday for a huge match at one o'clock at the Betty. Yeah, SDSU, one of those teams with three Summit League wins, the Jack Scott UND. Down in Brookings earlier in the season, a great chance, though, to get a little payback in Grand Forks. And again, just like the Western match this past Friday was, that's one you really need to win if you want to make top six. So be sure to get out and support. That's the second to last home match of the season for UND. Senior day is not coming up until November the 15th against Oral Roberts. But Sunday, November the 10th, 1 o'clock, get out to to the Betty and support this team as they make that push to make top six. Speaking of getting out to the Betty, women's basketball and men's basketball opening up this week. The women on the road against Arizona coming up tomorrow. The men at home on Thursday against Crown College. Hoops, Bill. We're talking basketball already. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. So the the ladies uh, are on the road uh, at Arizona on on Tuesday and then playing uh, Grand Canyon on Friday. And so kind of a Arizona uh, road trip, if you will. And then, yes, men's basketball, one of the a uh, few non-conference games that you're going to be able to uh, uh, see uh, Coach Sather's team. Uh, so Saturday, uh, excuse me, Thursday night uh, against Crown College. Yep, seven o'clock tip for that. If you can't get to the Betty, that one's on FSN. The game against Arizona for the women is going to be on Pac-12 Network. So assuming you might not be might not be making the flight down to Tucson. You can still watch the ladies uh, and open up their season. So that'll be that'll be fun. So 7.30 again Tuesday on Pac-12 Network against Arizona before going on uh, to take on the Lopes on Friday. Um, one other big thing in terms of NCAA talk that we'll, we'll follow up here with on the A-side. We had talked a couple of weeks ago about California and the decision with their, their government essentially 
going against the NCAA and saying that athletes, student athletes have a right to earn money or earn something for their likeness and their image. Uh, the NCAA, by the way, shortly after we finished recording this podcast last Tuesday, this ruling came out and the official statement was that, that the NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to permit student athletes the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. So that came down last week. There's been a lot of debate about this now, about what that actually means. When you see a statement like that, Bill, coming from the NCAA, what do you think? What 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 do you think this will mean for student athletes and for the NCAA model moving forward? Yeah, there was a few bullet points underneath that as well, as far as some of the things I'll call them guardrails, if you will. And so, I, it really, what's happening is there's there's a redefining of what the collegiate model is. That's that's really probably in simplest terms uh, what's going to transpire. And this group is trying to figure out, I guess, here's the principles that you have to stay within. And then I, from what I'm gathering, each division needs to figure out what that means for each of the divisions. Because I would say it's going to be a little different for Division Three, say, versus Division One. Uh, and then again, somewhere in the middle will be a hybrid that Division Two will probably be looking at. And so I don't know. You know, I, it's always been about the how. How is this going to get done? And so I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but 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 at the end of the day, you've got to figure out like really what does this all mean? And you know, many folks that I've li- either read or listened to, it, it always kind of is assumed that it's okay. Well, you get what you get now, and you might be getting some other things. Well, it might be an or. Like maybe you have to make a choice. You get what you get now, and I'm good with that. Or maybe I want to enter this world of NIL and who knows, maybe I have to pay the school for the platform and and maybe then I can kind of, with a family advisor, make what I can make moving forward. But again, there's a value to all of these platforms as well. And so that's where, again, the devil's going to be in the details. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I, you know, it's easy to, to go, you know, just at a very 30,000 foot level, say, this should happen. Okay, what should happen? And let's get into it. Because really, you do have to get into the minutia. Because I can tell you this, whatever is out there, folks will find a way, like whatever the loopholes are, again, just like the tax laws, uh, people will find loopholes. They just will. And so it all sounds good until you really get into the uh, to the weeds with this. I thought it was interesting that the NCAA made this ruling, made this decision, made this announcement uh, when it did. It, it feels like to me that the body, when, when conversations had started and when California passed that law a couple of weeks ago, the NCAA, from, from every angle you could see, they basically said, hey, this is not something we want to pursue this is something that, you know, we might ban California universities from competing now in the NCAA. That was sort of the initial language. And now just a couple of weeks later, after maybe listening to sort of the the national conversation, they have drifted in this direction. What are, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think that's fair. I think some others have that same thought, but I, I would have to look at the time frame. But I do think this group was put in place, this working group prior to the California uh Law, or at least the the Senate and and then the governor eventually signing what California signed. I, so I'm not quite sure the tact 
from, I guess, our governing body in that regard. I think it was more to say we can't have 50 states doing 50 different things. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that was mainly, I think, if, if I'm reading a little deeper into it, I think that was the reason why our, the association in Indianapolis said, said what they said via a letter, if you will, to California, is that uh, that's fine. You can do what you want, but here's the deal. It could be the breakup of the association if you have, again, 50 different country club members abiding by 50 different sets of rules. My guess is you won't have a great club. <laughs> I, but that's just my guess. Like I said, there'll be 50 people on the tee box at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. <laughs> Caddyshack all over again. Like no one, no one's going to want to go to that country club. Going to be insane. No, Brushwood. Bushwood. Uh, Bushwood was the name of the club. Yes. Yes, Brushwood. Bushwood. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, um, if you can get Caddyshack into our pod, we're good. We're good. I mean, really, I'm not, I think that's our first Caddyshack reference. But, you know, I want to say at one point with the golf, I think we got when, when, when men's and women's golf were trying to play in Fargo earlier this year, I think there was a little conversation about with the, with the rain, how the heavy stuff's not going to come down for a little while. I'm going to say this is number two. I got it. I got it. But but all the way back to the NIL, I, I do think though this this group to kind of close that 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 chapter, I think this group. I, here's what I would hope. This is my hope. Okay, these are my hopes. Is that the group that is actually looking at it comes out with some recommendations and some options. I, I, and it that that was my only concern with the release that came out last week. And it felt like that probably there needed to be a release because it was it was hitting the news cycle so much that I think this group had to come out with the principles first. But I didn't necessarily read that this group is is grinding on like here's six different ways it could happen. And if, if it's going to go back to each division to decide that. Wow, Alex, that's going to be really hard, I think, to, to kind of figure out. Because once you start getting in a room and, you know, what are you going to have, 32 different representatives from each conference there? I mean, that is going to be really hard to kind of figure out. That's why if they're sitting in a room right now, I, I was hopeful there was going to be some uh, recommendations that may, maybe it's too early or too difficult, or they actually have a day job too, which makes it hard. Mm-hmm. As an association, members make the rules. And so you need to have input from your members. Now, maybe the best way of doing that is, again, getting representation for from each conference. And that's the reason why the Division One Council is set up the way it is. So you've got 32 you know, members, each each conference is represented. Plus, then there's others. The Student Athlete Advisory Committee on a national level has two members in there. The, the Faculty Athletic Representative uh, Group has one as well. And so... It makes up to about 38 or 40 members around that table. I I don't know. Again, maybe this is such a big deal that maybe all other business from the NCAA standpoint needs to halt and pause until this thing gets figured out. That would be one way of doing it. I mean, you know, we got the NCAA convention coming up in January. You know, I, I, I sat on that council for three years. Maybe there should be one agenda item that until it gets done. Because maybe it's, if you're talking about the collegiate model, I'm not sure there's anything bigger than you could be talking about. I mean, really. And so everything else seems really, really minute as compared to that. And then what is that going to mean for all sports? 
And that is a big deal. I mean, if you saw the national sack came out and, you know, they basically said, hey, be careful with this because there's going to be a lot of sports that are going to be impacted by this particular decision. And I want to make sure everyone's thoughtful. I mean, I, I condensed a three-page, you know, uh, sack letter into basically that was the the genesis of it. So I don't know. I just sometimes you need to hit a pause button on things and say, look, until we get this thing figured out, all the other stuff I think can wait. And so maybe put a moratorium on other things, legislative cycles and all that other stuff. More Put a moratorium, get this thing figured out. We need our best people working on this. Our best people devoting their time to figuring this out. Well, and there's a reason why those folks are sitting in that room. So, you know what? I'd say let them grapple with it. If they go into Indy, which is how a, uh, you know, basically it's a day and a half meetings with the council. My guess is after a day and a half with those folks around the table, and there's some really brilliant people around that table and people working within uh, the confines of, uh, of Indianapolis as well. There's a lot of smart people around that room. You probably would get some solutions out there. Wouldn't get the answer as far as what it's going to be, but you might have the opportunity to get, these are the three ways you could do it and then figure it out from there. It's going to be a really interesting dialogue in the, in the weeks and months ahead. And hopefully the solution that the NCAA does come up with is the right one for, for both the, the programs, for the student athletes, and hopefully to, you know, keep this thing that we love working on a positive level for everybody. That's the hope. We'll be tracking on it, certainly on this pod, but, you know, there's a lot of stakeholders. And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are for sure interested. So, uh, so we'll, we'll see what, what, what happens, but, but uh, it's been a uh, it's been interesting for sure. And, uh, you know, when I know something, I'll try to, you know, let folks know uh, that do listen to this because it's important for the University of North Dakota. Mm, watch this space moving forward. Good. Good stuff. Anything else on your plate, Bill? Anything going on right now that you'd like to discuss from a UND perspective on the 4th of November? No, not at all. Again, uh Good crowds over the weekend. Uh, th- thank you for for those who who do uh, come out and support. And uh, again, uh, looking forward to this upcoming week. It's, it's exciting. I mean, when you have a historical situation where a team's going playing their first uh, Summit League championship, that's that's awesome. And then uh, we've got obviously other sports starting up, and so it's a great time of year. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, this this is a fun fun time of year. A lot to be thankful for as we transition into the season of Thanksgiving here in yes. November. Uh, so- <laughs> Transitioning to the B-side now, uh, you can be thankful for another Steelers win yesterday. Three straights for Pittsburgh. Narrow, but they got the job done. 26-24 over Indianapolis. How are you feeling? Um, I'm off Mason Rudolph. Mm. I'm off. I, I just don't think... Now, again, I hope he proves me wrong and he's uh, 25 years from now, he's in Canton. Um, but... And I would be the first one to say, awesome, I was way off. <laughs> but uh, And again, I'm rooting for him, but I think I like Devlin Hodges better. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, there's a little bit of an awareness internal clock issue with, with Mason, and it kind of culminated in that safety yesterday it, where yeah. uh, you know, you're kind of in your own end zone, and you might want to get rid of the ball. Maybe. Some would say that would be a good strategy. So it's just weird. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, they're four and four. I, you know what? I, I found myself last night. This You'll appreciate this. I should have been all in on the Patriots last night. Yeah, and I just been. wasn't. 
I just found myself having not a problem with the Patriots getting a little <laughs> beat up. You know, just, God, someone beat them. You know, it just had to be the Ravens. And so, uh, now nah, the Steelers, uh, it, it, eh, they're still in the mix for maybe the sixth seed. I mean, they're they're not out of it, but I don't feel like they're really in it either. You still get the terrible Browns twice coming up. You still get the, the terrible Bengals. Yeah, you have winnable games. And the way on the AFC side... You know, outside of, I think it's pretty clear, obviously, the Patriots, despite what happened last night in Baltimore, the Chiefs and the Ravens, those three teams are a cut ahead of everybody else. Whoever comes out of the the South, whether that's Tennessee or Jacksonville or Houston or whatever, somebody will win that division. And then really those two wildcard spots are, are kind of up for grabs. I mean, Buff- Buffalo has a good record, but they're not any good. Pittsburgh is building some momentum. One of those AFC South, Indianapolis, who you just beat, obviously has looked good this season, but now it looks like they are down Jacoby Brissett potentially for a while with an MCL injury. There's a lot of, you might have to be 500, but 500 might get the job done to get into the playoffs in the AFC. Well, the last uh, two of the last three weeks, beating San Diego and beating Indianapolis was huge. So now you got the tie break on those guys. And so, yeah, I, you know, I knew they had three in a row. They had to win all three. They've got the Rams off a of bye this week, but eh, Rams coming, coming East and who knows? I, I, you know, I, I, it doesn't feel like the Rams have played. Uh, I think they're beatable. Let's put it that way, uh, especially at home. I mean, I, it'll be a tough one for sure, but um, if they can get to Goff, uh, you know, sometimes you get good, bad, good or bad Jared Goff. And so we just need to get the one that throws a few picks. <laughs> we need that guy. We, we got that guy in the Super Bowl last year and he's not good. So if you get bad Goff, you're going to probably win that football game. Yeah, or you get good one, and holy cow! And now they're at uh, 600 yards, yes, of offense, and then then you're in trouble. But uh, yeah, I you know I agree. I you know um, Baltimore is just funny. It was really weird how that that game like changed. It's funny how football changes, right? That one muffed punt, and uh, I just was perplexed why the Patriots didn't go for it for a touchdown at the end of the half. That seemed weird to me. It was unbelichickian. To not go for it. What's the difference if it's 17-10 or 17-13? Not much. Not yeah. much, but go tie the game. Go into the locker room and go, hey, hey, after that whole mess, we're tied? Are you kidding me? I suppose from his standpoint, just the mental feeling of getting stopped. I think they maybe just didn't want to give the Ravens that boost of momentum going into because there's something there's something different about getting a fourth and one stop as you run into the locker room that Ravens team even though the game had shifted in the second quarter to New England's maybe that was part of the thinking knowing you were going to get the football back down by four you, you score you take the lead versus uh, but I, I, I get you I, normally you would no, Belichick would go for that so that was and with Brady Brady gets a has what like a 95 percent success rate on QB sneaks on the broadcast last night, they were saying, oh, it's a 54% chance based on, you know, the metrics. But Brady is like, that's, Brady's an outlier in that situation. But, you know, so that's an interesting point data-wise. 54% league-wide or 54% with Tom Brady? League-wide, 54%. Not not New England. Yeah, it's like, so my guess is it's higher with the Patriots would be my guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I mean, truly, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess I get it. that though, That's the data. But then you have to figure out, am I better than league or not at doing this? And so, I don't know. I You know, it, a fourth and one, my guess is this too. The Patriots... 
I don't know. My guess is they still have games against the AFC East. It's still in play. We have a handful. Yeah. yeah. So my guess is you're going to win a few more. And so, you know what? They probably didn't want to roll out their, like, A fourth and one play at this point because they figure, you know what? They're going to have to use it sometime in January. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's anytime New England loses. This is this has been true for like 15 years. Anytime New England loses, I don't in the regular season, I don't really get too worried because it always feels like, yeah, we were just kind of saving. We didn't want to open up the playbook too much. Yeah, we didn't want to show them too much. Last night was maybe the first time, especially when Baltimore was running that offense where it felt like, oh, wow, we have absolutely no answer for this. That was concerning, but then they adjusted and Baltimore didn't look like the same team that they saw we saw in the first quarter. Still though, Lamar Jackson, man, that guy is unbelievable to watch. I, he's an unbelievable athlete and a great quarterback. And if he plays like that, that and their if their offensive line opens up the types of holes they were doing, and if their defense is is what they typically are, that's going to be a tough out. That's a really good Ravens team. You know it, what I thought was interesting, and they did do a good job of this. Boy, they they drafted him, and and they went all in on him. And they, they, they changed up how they were going to run their offense and they moved on from Flacco and it just, you know, they, they just went totally, Hey, we're going to go down this path and this is how we have to run the offense. And I, I credit the Ravens boy. They, they, they've done a nice job with that and they, they are dangerous. I mean, holy cow, a, a healthy Lamar in the playoffs, especially if they can get the two seed. Right. I mean, one less game for them if they get a home game and, you know, that's the type of team that can go to Foxborough and that that type of team will be able to travel because it's a running it's a running team. They have good enough defense, probably good enough defense. So we'll see. This is a great case for a team doing something different, you know, zagging when everybody else is zigging And, and the whole league is a pass first league and they've turned themselves into obviously it's a very complex offense and it's not like they're running the veer out there every play like it's not it's not Cal Poly's offense but they have a different approach than anybody else in the league does and that's got to be so tough to prepare for that's why in the FCS you see some schools like that that do have not a gimmicky offense but a different offense than what everybody else does it's that's why sometimes those schools are really successful. Kennesaw State, maybe not a good example because they got shellacked this weekend, but schools like that that run a triple option or do those things. Perhaps in the NFL, that can be successful in a league where nobody else does that if you have the right personnel and the right scheme. Yeah, you know, there's only one Lamar Jackson. And so, uh, That's, you know, yeah. I, I'm not sure who else could do it. I mean, but, you know, I just give them a whole uh, lot of credit because they, they looked ahead and said, you know, we're not going to, we're going to use his skills to his apex and that's what they're doing and they're just dangerous. And so, yeah, so all that to be said, yeah, I, I, it was a weird one last night. I mean, I guess, I don't know what I was rooting for. I guess I was, I was really rooting for a Ravens loss, but the Patriots kind of made it easy to root against them too. So, uh, I don't know. I just was rooting for, I was rooting for a fumble every play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You almost got it there. There was a stretch there where there were the Baltimore had two Edelman had one to start the third turnovers. That's another game, by the way, where turnovers completely change football games. You can see the difference when you just hand the ball over to the opposition, no matter where you are on the field football's like that. Things can just flip because of a change in possession. And that was the case last night. So anyway, good for the, good for the Baltimore fans out there. Good for the Steelers, not necessarily in that game, but 
It's probably it's probably good for the NFL. It, it honestly probably is. Anytime the Patriots lose and another new hot team is coming up, it's probably a good thing. So we're halfway through. Yeah, that was week nine. Plenty of football left. You know, and again, I think last year this time I could be wrong, but the Steelers were like five, two, and one, and I don't know. They were anointing them going on to whatever, and that didn't work out so well. And and at this point, Lamar hadn't even probably taken the reins with Baltimore. I don't think so. That wasn't until I think the last six games of the regular season. So there's lots uh, left, but uh, yeah, it should be interesting. So I, I would assume we're going to go to the pitch at some point. And, and I can't believe Man City and Liverpool. I watched those two just because I knew they would end up winning. It's just ridiculous how much the other teams just, they tighten up. They tighten up. They just can't finish against those two teams. I would say it's, it's a mixture of that and the quality of those two teams just wins out in the end. Like just it's so hard to withstand the onslaught that those two teams put on you. And you know, Norwich earlier this season when Norwich was playing City and, and tiny the tiny canaries that had so many guys injured, the fact that they had an extra goal cushion, they were up three nothing in that game, and City scored two right at the end and was really pushing for the last one. Like Norwich needed every inch of separation that they had built up to withstand it. Where you saw this past weekend, Southampton, who had just lost 9 to nothing to Leicester the week before, they got a one nothing lead, but you knew it wasn't going to hold up. And, and same thing with Villa. Aston Villa had chances to ex- extend their lead to two in that game. They didn't take them. And I, Liverpool left it really late. I mean, City kind of worked their way back over the course of that game, and it wasn't quite as dramatic as Liverpool's, not, what is it, the 90th plus three? I mean, it was a stoppage time winner, which was incredible with Sadio Mane, with an incredible header. I, how, how do you even get enough power on the ball? It was a short corner to the near post, and he somehow got just enough, enough power and enough angle to get it by the keeper. I mean, unbelievable. But, I mean, huge win. It was a huge, huge win. I... I can't even tell you how important that was to get all three points when you were down one nothing in the 83rd or 84th minute. Incredible. Well, and then uh, is it Sunday? You guys are playing, right? City against Liverpool. This coming week, yes. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. it's huge. I, I, so it, that should be a fun match for sure. I think everybody uh, w- will want to watch that for sure, If you're, f- no matter who you're following. Uh, and then you got the other match that was at the end of uh, the weekend, which was just <laughs> a horror show. Uh, I mean, uh, they, they're, they're closer to being relegated than they are even to, to get into the top four at this point in time. And here's what, here's my observation. I don't think they like playing with each other right now. It doesn't seem that way. You talk about teams. What's anti-joy? Despair. Depression. Whatever anti-joy is, whatever that word would be, that's, that's the Tottenham Hotspur right now. They're, they're not fun. And, you know, they, they had an issue. It was, you can go into the red card, which, you know, whatever. I, I'm not sure that was really a red card, but whatever. It, 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 you know, you yeah. still got to figure out how to get through that match and get all three points. You, you still have to figure that out. The moment you're referring to um, Kyungmin Sun's tackle from behind on Henry Gomez that literally broke the man's ankle in half and sent his foot going the wrong direction. When you look at it, NBC didn't really show the replay to the full because it was so gruesome the way that his his leg turned the wrong direction. But on first blush, it didn't even look that bad. He kind of comes in from behind and clips him. 
and uh, and then everyone's reaction, including Suns. And I want to get your take on this. When have you seen a player that distraught over something in any sport? I, I can't remember a reaction like that to that extent with Sun in tears for what had happened to the guy that he was playing against. Yeah, I mean, I of course, I, I just watch him. But he's, he's a really... Um, it seems like a really emotional guy that that really is humanistic, if you will. I mean, he, a lot of it you can just tell. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of joy when he scores. I mean, that, there's just a lot of emotion that that he plays with. And uh, you know, it was it was amazing to see that he was you know really distraught as to what happened because I think even the experts to some degree said as what you said is probably the end result probably got him the red card, maybe yeah. not even the action in a weird way. And so maybe that is how you get red cards. I don't know. But, uh, um, but that certainly gave Everton a little bit of life and uh, they found a way to tie it. And, you know, that, I, I, there was one, there was one situation before they tied it. Um, Davis and Sanchez did something back there and, the, yeah. and and our goalie was not happy with him and he shouldn't have been happy with him. And then Sanchez turned around and was not happy with the goalie. And I'm like, Oh, this is a good team to watch right now. <laughs> I mean, and, and the goalie was right. And so anyways, all that to be said, um, we're not very good uh, at this point, but I can tell you this November there's, uh, there's opportunity in November if they ever could figure out a way to, to, to win a match, especially on the road. And amazingly, they have not won a road EPL match since January. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's un- unbelievable. No wins in the league in your last four. You got to go on the road now in midweek to Red Star Belgrade, who you, who you did thump at home just a couple weeks ago. But as we've talked about at length, that is not a fun place to go. But hopefully, you know, revive your Champions League campaign against a team that's not playing very well. You get Sheffield at home, who all of a sudden is actually pretty good. The Sheff the Sheffield United team is kind of scary. They, they just they just the blades, Bill. You got to take the wrath of the blades on this weekend. But uh, like you said, the rest of the month isn't too bad. West Ham, who's kind of up and down. You get Olympiacos in the Champions League. You get Bournemouth, who's very much up and down. You know, Man United on the road is terrible. Like you just you never know. There's certainly still opportunity. It's a long season, but you're right. Thirteen points. Bottom half of the table, you're five points off the drop. You're about 17 off the top. It's not really where you thought you'd be, not really where you wanted to be. Nope, nope. But, you know, it's it's a 38-match season, and you just go through the journey. So yeah. I'll be interested to see where this all finishes out right now because right now um, – even Poch, it feels like that, that, that the team just isn't responding at this stage. So the, the guy that's really disappointing is Erickson. He has not played well at all. I mean, he, I, I think you'd be better off just having him on the bench at this stage. I, I, I just think that he's just not, he's not, he's just not his, uh, I guess at his best, he's pretty world-class as far as controlling things, but just feels like he's just almost checked out a little bit. Ever yeah. since the, uh, I will call it, you know, not even contractual dispute. It's he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, it's not great. Two two last Spurs things for you, and then I'll I'll stop bothering you about this. Has anybody performed well? Who who is coming out of this looking good from a Spurs perspective? Who have you liked this season? Huh. The only person that's probably played okay to some degree is maybe Harry Kane. Hmm. I mean, Harry Kane scores. 
he does. I mean, that's one thing he does, and he's not not scored. But um, I don't know if there's anybody else, if you looked at their lineup, that you would say is playing uh, above what we expected, except maybe our backup goalie. I was just going to say, I thought you would say Gazaniga. I feel like he's been the only one <laughs> that's coming out of this looking better. Kane and him, other than that, I do think if you were to put him on a grade, you would say everybody else has underperformed. Hmm. So, yeah, it's not been good. It's not been good. And so, yeah, they've got to go to Belgrade and figure that one out. And I don't know, Alex. I, You know what? I'm just watching, and it's an interesting soap opera. I, last first thing, because I said I was going to give you two more. Last one. We were just talking about managers being let go. Would you move on from Mauricio Pochettino right now? No, not right now. I, 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 and again, it might end up that way, but I, I, I think he's really good. Um, and maybe they both need a change of scenery. Maybe that's what's going to end up, but I wouldn't do it right now. I, I mean, there's too much to be played for, especially in the Champions League. So I, I, who knows? Now, having said that, and then my last like my last piece is Bayern Munich. Holy cow! It didn't take them long. Now they came into they came into I'll call it White Hart Lane, and they just absolutely just destroyed the Spurs. But they they didn't take wow. I mean, ooh, they and I didn't realize they weren't they aren't they're not leading the Bundesliga. Not after this past weekend. Yeah, so that's and that was, I was going to see what you thought about that. Bayern Munich fired their coach Nico Kovac again. This was the team that beat you seven two like a month ago. And then they lost 5-1 to one this past weekend. They're in fourth place now, fourth points off the top. Fired their coach. Quick trigger over there at Bayern. Bayern, uh, they do not uh, put up with, with much. So, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like they got an interim coach until they figure it out. Yeah, time will tell. Mm. Maybe it'd be Pochettino. <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? That would be something. Richard Breaking Pochettino. on the pod. Mm. You heard it here first, friends. Good. Well, that's probably a good one to end on. Bill, enjoy the week, buddy. All right, you too. And uh, yeah, big, big week for uh, for UND Athletics, and we're excited for it. Yes, sir. Amen. For Bill Chaves, for Castanel's our producer, I'm Alex Seiner. Thanks again, as always, for listening. Enjoy the week ahead. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.